Welcome to the Working Moms Podcast, featuring inspiring stories and resources for the modern working mom. I'm your host, Pamela Moss, estate planning attorney, mom, and owner of Law Mother. All right, today on the podcast, we have Meredith Anderson. She is the team lead of Anderson Group Remax Alliance in Evergreen, Colorado. Welcome today, Meredith. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm so excited you're here. We're going to be talking about real estate as a lasting legacy. And before we jump into that and your background, kind of wanted to start off with what is your number one tip for working moms? Oh, gosh. So I guess it would, I'm going to steal it from another podcast that I love and listen to, but, and just kind of more my experience, but a few different mentors of mine. Uh, There's a saying that you're not trying to go for like a completely balanced life. It's not balanced, you're balancing. And the fact that that is like an active verb and it keeps you um, learning and keeps you growing, it's you're never gonna be to this point where it's done and I'm there. You're going, you know what I mean? You kind of have that theory in your head sometimes or it's kind of like you're reaching for this unattainable balanced. And um, so I liked that idea that, it's okay that I'm always kind of tweaking. I'm working on this area of my life or this area of my life. And, and I'm always kind of balancing the things that I want to see in my life. So it it took off the pressure, um, especially when I became, you know, a working mom. So, because there's so many areas of your life that you're working on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I love that. And I love that kind of active verb and how you, how you've applied it in your life. That's amazing. So kind of before we dive into the topic, I would love for you to share kind of your background and how you got into real estate and how you got into becoming a business owner. Okay. Thank you. Um, so while I grew up in Texas and, uh, decided to move out to Colorado, gosh, in like 2009, um, and I met my, I met my now husband at my going away party when I decided to leave. And <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's really inconvenient timing. It was pretty. <laughs> so, um, we dated long distance for a while from Colorado to Texas. And I eventually moved back to Texas to marry him. And at that time I was, um, working in marketing and graphic design doing actually print graphics, which is kind of hilarious now because they're almost, um, going by the wayside, but, um, yeah, so I, I had, that was my first company that I started. And then when I moved back to Texas, I did actually have a lot more clientele there because I was able to work the networks I had grown up with. Um, but after he and I got married, we moved to, uh, live on a sailboat in Mexico and yeah, in the sea of Cortez, Mexico, we lived there for about a year. And while we were down there, um, Tim read uh, real estate. Oh, he read Flipping for Dummies is what he read, actually, and got really interested in that. And I am very nerdy. So I when we came back to the States and we were kind of reemerging into, you know, our new life wherever in Colorado, as we landed back in here and uh, I have to know kind of all the ins and outs to understand things before I'm really like diving in. So I work, I worked from our realtor. I said, you guys need any help? And I started becoming a real estate assistant and getting licensed. So our plan was to buy a bunch of investment properties and then use that passive income to go back to our sailboat. So I actually got into, (laughs) 
I got into the business to live on my sailboat. But um, as it turns out, we never, we did go back once for um, a couple months and then, and then we've been, we've been here ever since. <laughs> so yeah. Um, and we still enjoy the passive income of those rental properties, but uh, not to work on the sailboat, unfortunately, <laughs> or fortunately, however you want to look at it. Yeah, I love that. And I know you as such a successful, you know, business owner. And so I, I actually didn't know about the whole sailboat background. So that was really, really yeah. cool to hear about that kind of evolution. And yeah. so um, how did you transition into owning your own real estate business and, and kind of get in that position? Sure. Yeah. Well, so as I, you know, as we became, you know, successful at, well, we, we bought and sold a lot of property. So we did, um, you know, remodel a lot of property and then we bought and held a handful of properties. And then I realized I, I started working for a few different clients and I was like, wow, Tim, my husband, he I was like, it's quite the challenging client. It's a little easier to work for um, other people and I'm able to help them get, you know, what they want and, um, and grow their portfolios in, a, in an interesting way. So yeah, I, I just actually really enjoyed it. I was kind of more a little hap, happenstance that my, the mentor I was working for, you know, he might have too many clients or he didn't have enough time. So I would, I would pick up and then it actually was super fun and I loved it. So I, I, um, I did that for a little while and then shifted over to Remax Alliance. And, um, actually every broker, every real estate agent is basically their own little company. Um, so we're all self-employed technically, but, um, I decided to build a team actually, because I decided to build a family. And, um, I was, as a, I was a real estate agent, I was, or I am very, very dedicated. So it was working 24 seven, you know, the market ever since I entered the market, you know, six, seven years ago has been busy and hot. <laughs> it's been recuperating, you know, from the uh, big recession. And so it, it was, it's never been a slow paced environment. And I lived and breathed it for the whole time. I, from the time I was licensed to the time I had Ava, my first daughter. And um, I realized when I was pregnant that I wasn't going to be able to maintain that level of speed and drop everything I'm doing to go show property or whatever it was going to be. So I knew I needed to grow a team. So that's when I met Parisa. Actually, she was a past client of mine that I helped her buy and sell a house. And then she referred me to her parents and I helped them buy and sell a house. And, um, at that last closing with her parents, she ended up coming and I was like, Hey, I'm trying to build a team. Do you have any interest? Because she is, she's a, a firecracker and she's so, so good at what she does. And she's just like, everything was ship shape when she was with my client. So I thought, um, she'd probably carry that into the real estate world. And she absolutely did. So she was actually my first uh, teammate, which um, she carried us through my first maternity leave. Uh, amazingly, she just, she killed it. I was just so impressed. <laughs> and then we grew from there. So yeah, now um, we have, there's uh, me and Paris and Katie and uh, Hannah so there are four agents and then our full-time admin, Carol, and we moved, we moved into a, what we, it's just technically a satellite office. 
of um, Remax Alliance and our my own personal investment property is a building an adorable A-frame building in in Evergreen. So yeah, it's just become become its own thing. <laughs> Hopefully that kind of answers the question. But basically I I needed to I needed to become more, you know, be able to serve more people and still be a mom and be, you know, a wife and have have a have a life too. So yeah. Yeah, that definitely did. And I pre-COVID have a fortune of coming to your office and yeah. it's you know, a beautiful space and it's really unique, um, right in, um, kind of the heart of evergreen. So if you're in that area and you're looking for real estate, definitely recommend you drop by. Um, we had been planning some events together that got canceled because of the pandemic. So I'm excited for eventually returning back to you and getting to see you and see. I love our space so much. It's like, it's, it was built in the sixties. And at one time, I think it was originally based on our research. It seemed like it was originally, um, kind of a parks and rec building in the air, in the area in the sixties. And then it's been a million other things between now and then, and people will like drop by and just tell us stories of how they used to get their hair cut there, or they got their TV repaired there. <laughs> or, you know, different things that it was. And we love to hear those stories. We love the deep, rich history that it had. And, you know, it was in, it was in dire need of um, saving. It needed to be restored, which we did, you know, put a metal roof on it and created a big, huge deck, which we used to use again, pre-COVID for our big parties we'd have every year with all of our clients. And we just, we absolutely love it. It's, it's, one of our favorite things is our, is our adorable A-frame. My husband's company is in the lower level and then the Anderson group is upstairs and, and we really enjoy sharing it for sure. So, so the next ch- question I was going to ask you before we kind of moved into the topic was any challenges that you've faced as a working mom and how you've overcome them? And that could be one challenge or it could be a multiple. Yeah. So, um, I guess I'm going to go back to the balance versus balancing because that was something that really helped me get clarity on, um, you know, giving myself grace and what sort of expectations I have. As I mentioned, I was working basically 24 seven and it wasn't because it was because I love it. I love what I do. I want to hustle and I want to grow and help people. And, um, So I found it really challenging because I have all that desire and I have all that drive. And when you become a mom, there's a sense of, do I still get to have those things? Do I still, am I still allowed to have that much drive and that much desire because I have these girls that depend on me now. And, um, and in many cases, all depend heavily on you. I have a two month old right now. So, you know, um, she needs a lot of my attention. So those, that really, um, I come back around to that and, and the seasons of life basically is what the way it's been explained to me by a few different people. But, you know, I was in a season of my life when I was hustling and I was working, you know, 24 seven and, and that was a part of my season for me. And now I'm in the season of life where I am falling more into the leadership role and I'm helping other people, other agents get what they need. And I'm helping my girls grow and it's just a new season of life. And so sometimes even when I kind of look back at the old season of like, Oh, it was so nice when I could, you know, hustle that hard and I could, um, 
you know, drop everything I was doing to go look at property. Cause I, even as challenging as that is, I like it, you know, I like that fast pace. I like seeing it, all the inventory I can see. Um, whenever I kind of look at, remember that or reminisce on that, I, well, I'm, I'm in a new season of my life and it looks different and it doesn't mean I won't find another season, you know, in the next five years or whatever, however many years, but I, I like to give myself grace in that sense of, of the season's turn and, and that's okay. Um, because it, it was a real challenge for me to, to, you know, still be as busy, but not as productive is how it feels, you know, but it's, you're productive in the growth of your family instead of the growth of your business. So I kind of had to just reframe it <laughs> for myself because, um, otherwise I think it, it would be a little, it's a, it's definitely an adjustment, you know, That's so helpful. And it's such a great, that word you use of framework and using that season analogy is really helpful. And so thank you for sharing that. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So kind of the next piece, kind of shifting gears into our topic for today, which is real estate being a lasting legacy. You know, why is real estate a good investment for families? Well, real estate, it pays you in three ways. Right. So if you're going to buy and hold, that is, um, it pays you with equity as the market goes up and the increase and all the value, values around you, as long as you're not tapping that out every time you refi. <laughs> um, then you'll have a good chunk of equity waiting for you one day, or maybe even a paid off property. Um, and all of that value is just sitting there waiting for you. So it's almost like a re- retirement plan in itself, you know, um, which I love. And, um, and then it also pays you in passive income. So depending on, you know, where you're investing and what your approach is to investment. Um, some people go specifically for passive income and the mail, mailbox money, as they call it, to, um, you know, if you're investing, let's say in the Midwest, and that's kind of, you you can't, you don't in, in expect a lot of equity to come out of the property, but you can expect a lot of mailbox money because the, the mar- mortgages are lower there and you'll have, you know, a good rent basis where here, thankfully in the front range in the Denver market, um, we get a little bit of both. So we've got, well, we get a lot of equity. Um, it's more of an equitable position to invest in here because the, the increase year over year well, typically is around, you know, three or 4%, but the past year or two has been closer to 10 to 15% increase year over year of the median values around here. So um, there's just tons of equity sitting in properties that people bought, you know, a handful of years ago, even two years ago. Um, Anyway, so that's incredible. But then we also have the, you know, since the demand in this area is very strong still, we are, for people to move here, we have, we do get a passive income from, rentals as well. So it's, it's equity, it's passive income. And then of course you get the tax write-offs, write-offs of, um, depreciation of the, of the, uh, the real estate. So ours, we created a, you know, another company an entity that, that does all the banking for, for those, uh, rental properties that we own. But because we did that, that company has a bunch of write-offs that we get to use every year. Um, when filing our taxes <laughs> for all of our companies. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's an incredible investment from, a, you know, when you look at it, it's multifaceted. Um, 
And, you know, you try to pick an area, you usually either pick, like I said, the passive income route or the equitable route. And when you're lucky, if you invest in an area like here, you can get a little bit of both, which is great. Or a lot of bit of both. I mean, it's been a really, really successful time to be a property investor. And so if someone's listening to this and they're interested in getting, you know, maybe they purchased their home and they're interested in getting real estate into real estate investing, what tips do you have for them as far as kind of where to go next? I know you kind of mentioned that you and your husband started with that book on a sailboat. Is that, is that where you recommend people get started or what tips do you have for people that are interested in, in getting started? Yeah, sure. Um, that book, well, that book was specifically about flipping property, which we did do, um, again, at a very, a very good time to do it because it was, the market was going up and the prices were still, um, relatively affordable at the time. And, um, I don't think there's a lot of mark. I wouldn't say that, but there, there, the gap for actually flipping property has become much, much smaller, um, in recent years, uh, because the demand from primary homeowners, uh, people who actually don't live in the house are, is so, so strong that a lot of times it beats out the, how much an investor is willing to pay for the property. That being said, it's not the case for rental property. Um, rental pro- it's a fantastic time to buy rental property. And um, I'm always looking for myself as well as for clients. But um, well, what I would recommend is, yeah, grabbing, grabbing a financial investment book, first of all, just to get a, a good bearing on how you want to get your investment strategy to look. But what we do is... Um, we actually have a bunch of different bank accounts and I, anytime we uh, are paid, we, we divvy up all of our money into these different bank accounts so that we, and they're organized based on our goals. So we've set goals. We know we like to invest in property. So one of those accounts is property investment. And we start, we set a certain percentage of, of our pay into that, into that account every month. And eventually it's big enough for a down payment on a new rental property. And, um, or sometimes it needs to be bigger in cases like right now where the demand is so strong, um, you know, it's a really strong seller's market. So you're, anyone who's getting a loan to buy a property has to be extremely competitive. And a lot of times we're covering big appraisal gaps. So, cause you're offering so much higher than list price and you have to cover that gap. You don't have to, but it's a, it's a strategy to win, um, to be the, the bid that's chosen whenever you're offering on homes. So it's a good idea to start stockpiling that money to be able to cover those gaps um, in the event that you're in a multiple offer situation. Anyway, that's kind of covering a lot of areas, but I would start by setting up a plan that, you know, this is a, this is a high priority. This is a goal for our family and then start, you know, siphoning off whatever percentage you can of your pay um, either for a savings account and then a property investment account, or if you want to use the property investment as your savings account, I get that too. It kind of works that way as well. But um, that gives you the opportunity to actually start investing whenever the time arises, which um, if you already have a substantial amount set aside and you're ready to make a down payment and or cover an appraisal gap in this market, um, then yeah, just get 
uh, connect with a really great lender who knows what they're doing. A local lender is preferred. And if you need those resources, I of course have them. Um, and a really great realtor who knows the area and can, um, like I said, you know, drop what they're doing, show you property, offer right away, get, get ready to make as many offers as it takes to, to actually win a property. Um, and, uh, you know, that's all that's really all it is look at do your research you know what areas are renting well what areas are growing again if you're connecting with a with a realtor who knows it they can put you in touch with those resources or maybe be that resource themselves but um i like to pick areas that are are not very trendy they're not super fast emerging or they're not just emerging they've been long-standing areas of desirable locations and um, they, they rent really well over long periods of time. And I, I like to do long-term rentals versus short-term. And that is just a personal decision because of how much hands-on, um, how, how hands-on uh, short-term rentals are, I, unless you're going to pay a management fee. I do all the management myself. So it's kind of hard to, um, I think management fees usually run about 10% of, of your, you know, so you got to consider that if you're making enough to, to cover it for a short-term rental. And then, you know, the, the turnover and the, clean, the cleanliness, especially right now during COVID, you have to really um, make sure you're managing all the cleanliness and stuff like that. So I think that you can definitely make great money with long or short-term, but um, we primarily do long-term, like I said, just because of timing availability of, of my, my time. <laughs> so um, that makes yeah. sense. And some of the things that you um, said kind of go into the next question, which is sure. what are some of the tips for choosing a good real estate agent, both yeah. for, you know, someone who's a first time home buyer and someone who is also looking at becoming a real estate investor. What are some things that you should be looking for? The, I'm going to go with the basics here, like somebody you like, somebody you trust and somebody who knows the area that's the main thing. You know, do you like them? Do you get along? Cause you're going to talk every day for, you know, I don't know, a month or two at least. Um, and then, you know, if you are working with us, of course, we'll talk to you for the rest of your life <laughs> because we like to be, you know, your lifetime realtor. We're going to invite you to our parties and we're going to send you a Christmas card, that type of thing. So, um, you definitely want to pick someone you really like working with. Um, that's, that's first of all, course you want to trust them because you're going to be leaning to into their expertise for a lot of advice and hey what do you think of this area do you think this is as far as an investment goes you know do you think this is a long-term growth or can you provide me you know recent neighborhood activity around here how how does this shape up um <laughs> it's it's matters and all of that plays into your decision making at the time and while decisions are having to be made very quickly right now especially for buyers um, it is, um, something that you, you want to be able to trust that person to help you make those quick decisions. Um, and then of course being knowledgeable in the area, just, you know, our, our local expertise in Evergreen, for example, or we, that we really think of the foothills, Golden, Evergreen, Conifer, um, no Parisa lives in Pine, you know, so it's that whole front range, you know, how, how much experience do they have? Do they understand septics and wells and, um, you know, the crazy lot lines that we have and which neighborhoods have the crazy lot lines and, you know, the age of the homes and stuff like that. Just a local expert is really going to be 
pretty important, both on buying and selling. Because, you know, on the sell side, they have to be able to articulate why your house is so amazing, <laughs> you know? And they'll probably know that if, um, if they know the area. So, yeah. And kind of one of my, I guess my final questions is something that I ask every guest, which is, what is your legacy? What is the legacy you are creating? Yes. It's a very, that's an intense question, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely, you know, makes you pause for sure. And I have thought of my, you know, my situation in terms of legacy. Um, But I tried to, I, I guess when I think of that, I think, you know, I'm really passionate about, about helping people um, figure out what it is they want, realize that they deserve what they want. Cause a lot of times that's a big hurdle, um, feeling deserving of everything that you want and then um, getting it, <laughs> you know, and I do think that all of that is, uh, that's really where my passion lies, quite frankly. And real estate marries up nicely with that because a lot of times people want a house or a bigger house or to be a homeowner or, you know, certain amount out of their sale or things like that. So um, real estate marries up a lot of times with, with family goals. And I think that's why I jive so well with it because I'm very goal oriented and I, I like how those mesh well together. So with that in mind, if I look at it like that, um, I guess my legacy is, you know, what I want, (laughs) you know, to leave one and it's growing a portfolio of, you know, businesses and real estate so that I can spend my time with my family and traveling and doing things that we enjoy. So it's really quite simple. um, And it has mostly to do with time, (laughs) you know, being able to spend it the way I want to spend it. (laughs) So, um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, it's definitely a question that causes, you know, some pause and reflection for sure. Um, but yeah. I love that. And you're such an example of what's possible for people listening as far as kind of the success that you've had and the leadership you've had. And, you know, what is the, for people that are listening who are here in Colorado or want to invest in Colorado, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you and your team? Me specifically me, um, uh, texting my cell phone number, is <laughs> which you can share. I don't mind. Um, but I, I am so inundated with emails right now and probably forever that I, I, I'm like, Hey, if you really need to reach me, you know, don't email me, <laughs> but you can text me and I will probably get back to you within an hour. It's so fast. <laughs> well, you do have a team and so, so- yeah. It, um, it like website, social media. Totally. Yeah. We have, our website is andersonhomegroup.com and all of our contact information is there. And that's exactly why I grew the team so that you can reach any one of us at any time, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that's, um, we actually, Carol rebuilt our website and it is stunningly beautiful and such a great resource. We have gotten so many compliments on it lately and I'm so proud of her because it, it just really reflects who we are. And again, there's tons of resources on there. So if you need like a plumber or you need, you know, a refi or whatever, um, you can go search on our website and find all of the people that we recommend too, which I love. I refer that page out all the time. So Well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Meredith. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast and I'm, I'm happy to be catching up with you as well. I know um, I'm really excited about your about this podcast and all of the work you're doing. So thank you so much. Thank you. Hey mama, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, lawmother.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links you heard in today's episode. You'll also be able to get access to my free legal tool for you to name legal guardians for your children to protect them and have that peace of mind. It's all right there at lawmother.com.